Just a quick note, this episode does contain spoilers for Netflix's Teenage Bounty Hunters. If you haven't watched it yet, stop everything, go watch it, and check back in. Hey strangers, welcome to the Upside Down Podcast. This is Ash. Today I'm super stoked to bring you my chat with Devin Hales who plays April Stevens on Netflix's Teenage Bounty Hunters. This is the second interview that we've done outside of the Stranger Things universe because it was a show that we loved in 2020. And if you're looking for something to fill the time while Stranger Things season four is filming, this is it. Devin spoke with us via Skype, so just keep that in mind while you listen. To all of her fans that DM'd us, we hope you enjoy this episode. She loves you, we love you, enjoy. Stay strange. Hi, this is Devin Hales, and I play April Stevens in Teenage Bounty Hunters. You're listening to the Upside Down Podcast. Hey, Devin. Hello. <laughs> from the Upside Down Podcast. How are you? Hi, I am well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited that you're going to be a part of our, what we're calling special episodes, where we're featuring a couple of the shows that we really liked in either 2020 or 2021. And I loved Teenage Bounty Hunters. It's funny because I didn't think I was going to. I was like, I don't know. And then Randy kept posting about it, our mutual friend Randy Havens. And I thought, you know what, whatever. I'm doing it while I run on my treadmill. Well, I walk fast on my treadmill. <laughs> and so uh, I started watching it and I was immediately hooked. It's so fun. And so I'm really excited to talk to you as playing April Stevens. Thank you. Yes, it does make me feel extremely special to be here. Yeah, I think that the trailer can be very misleading and sort of a quick little plot summary that you hear. Yeah, I think a lot of people are like, oh, it's just like some random teen show. Or some people have really thought that it was like a reality television <laughs> show, which is hilarious to me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm glad that you enjoy it. I think that there's something in there for everybody. Yeah, I loved it. I loved the way, I mean, it had so many different things, but it was edited in a really cool way, and the dynamic between the twins was great. But let's talk about you. We're here to talk about Devin. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of the fans of the show and the fans of you will know that you're a local actress in Atlanta, and you've been featured in a ton of theatrical productions. You and I actually worked on one that was appropriate, and mm -hmm. I took some photographs of you. Uh, so when I saw you in the show, I was like, OMG, I think I know her. And I was like going through my photo albums and there you were, sure enough. How did the opportunity to be on a Netflix show and to be April Stevens, how did that come across? Even though I am an Atlanta actor and live in Atlanta currently, I was actually living in New York at the time this audition came around. I was doing a little New York tryout. I had a six-month sublet up there. I was trying to decide if I was going to move to New York in 2020, LOL. <laughs> Didn't that, did not happens. And yes, yeah, so I went up there to audition for theater and still had my Atlanta agent because I thought, you know, I don't want to miss any of these opportunities. I still have friends and family here. I can I can fly home if I end up booking something. And so, yeah, this uh, audition came in for its original title, Slutty Teenage Bounty Hunters. And I originally auditioned for the lead character of Sterling Wesley. Oh, cool. Yeah, which is interesting and is really fun to look back on now. And yeah, one of her sides was with April. And so that was hilarious. Yeah, so taped that audition and felt really good about it. But I was like, it's not 
not quite right for me, but always nice to make a good impression with an audition. So sent that back, and then a couple weeks later had an audition for April Stevens. And as soon as I read the description and saw the sides, I was like, okay, now this one, this I could do. So yeah, had about an hour, hour and a half turnaround. So I just like had to do whatever my first impulse was, put it on tape, send it in, and was really, you you know, you try to, when you send an audition in, to immediately forget about it and just play it really cool, but I was definitely still thinking about this one, and a couple days before I was supposed to take all my stuff, move back to Atlanta, found out that I was pinned for it, and a um, couple days later, booked it, and then, yeah, it was actually, so we were we were driving home um, for two days from New York, and we stopped in South Carolina to get gas, and I pulled up my email, and I was like, holy shit, I booked it. And um, it was really, really exciting. And then went to the table read for the pilot two days later. And that is the beginning of a very fun journey. So It's funny because when you live in Atlanta and you come from a film family or you have a lot of like actor friends, you kind of hear about things filming. And I remember my sister who usually does the podcast with me, but we haven't recently because of COVID. She's a background actress. And so she actually, I think, was one of the students in Slutty Bounty Hunters. She would be like, I'm on this show. I don't know what, ta- I don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> it's funny. I forgot to even look for her in the background because I was so like enthralled by the show I should probably go back and like you know <laughs> where is she I'm sure she's back there somewhere um that leads me to my next question you know when you're watching the show I think one of the things that's so fun is that you notice so many Atlanta landmarks and just like places that you're like I've been there I know that and it's the same with the actors the cast even the background actors you know so many people in the Atlanta community make an appearance in this show and You were cast with two people that I know and love, especially Eric, who is an intern at our theater. But what was it like to be cast with Eric and Charity, you know, rising stars in the theater world, but also just like all the Atlanta talent? Yeah, it's really, really exciting. Like you mentioned, the show is so Atlanta-centric. And as an Atlanta person, that is really exciting for a lot of reasons. And I know a lot of people who aren't actors had so much fun watching the show for that reason and picking up on those Atlanta landmarks. But yeah, it's always exciting, especially on something like this that is, you know, a little bit bigger. You know, it was a Genji Cohan project. It was for Netflix. And so for Atlanta people to get those opportunities is extremely, extremely exciting. And yeah, with Eric and Charity, I didn't know them before. Oh, um, really? Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know anybody on the Bounty Hunter set. And yeah, especially with the two of them. Obviously, our characters spend almost every minute of the show together. And yeah, so it's exciting to make new friends, and you know that those are the people that you're gonna. Everybody else is gonna go back to New York or LA or Canada. In Maddie's case, and knowing that you'll continue to see some people and get to share that experience when the show comes out and afterwards is really exciting. But yeah, you know, I do, I know you obviously talk to a lot of Atlanta people and I think it is really, really exciting to see the Atlanta community, especially all these people that do theater as well, get some big opportunities and I certainly am not the first, and the people who have paved the way for that are a lot of people that you have talked to. Bethany, Kara, 
Caroline. Like, it's just really, really exciting that these women have sort of paved the way for this and shown that Atlanta actors can show up and handle these kind of parts. So, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's really cool, too, just as a fan of, like, local Atlanta theater to be watching a show like AMC's Lodge 49 and then just see Kara in it or be watching the trailer for Stranger Things and be like, hold up, is that Carolyn? Hold up, is that Kara? Like, you just get so excited when you see people that you know because you're like, they did it. Like, they've been hustling and, like, they made it. And it, it was just really exciting. And I think I got that same yeah. kind of feeling when I saw you in the trailer. I don't know what I saw you in. I saw you in something. It was like a printout or something. And it was just so cool. But let's go back a bit. I know a lot of our younger fans, listeners, always want to know, how did you get into acting? Sure. Um, yeah, it is a little bit of a longer road for sure, but definitely connected. So I grew up singing in choirs, and I think late in middle school accidentally fell into some big air quotes acting opportunities <laughs> through, like, <laughs> I don't know, like your choir director makes everybody audition for, you know, this end of year play or whatever, and definitely didn't think of any any of those opportunities as acting back then. But yeah, when I went to high school, uh, I was going to public school for the first time in a while and didn't really know what my thing was, didn't know how I was going to make friends. So I sang in the choir and just like I sort of talked about our choir director made everybody in the choir audition for the musical because he had just taken over the theater department. So ended up in that and it started very casually. And then as I, as high school progressed, I was like, oh, I guess this is sort of my thing. And then when it was time to make a decision about where I was going to go to college and what I was going to do, I was like, well, acting is the only thing I really like. And, um, good at and thankfully I have an extremely supportive mother who in not a very stage mom way thankfully was like no this is what we're doing because this is what you love and I think the conversation around it has changed a little bit in in the years since then but I didn't know anybody whose profession was in the arts and I think the conversation back then around careers in the arts was like you know it's not really a real thing and how are you going to make money and how are you going to survive and the starving artist idea but yeah I ended up getting a theater degree and um, as you mentioned did a lot of professional theater out of college and ended up deciding that I was going to get a TV and film agent because when I was in college, I ended up doing a summer internship at Georgia Shakespeare, which mm -hmm. unfortunately is no longer with us, I but know. I was there their last, I know, it's devastating. Yeah. Uh, I was there their last summer and that was the first time I was meeting a lot of people who that is what they did full time. They were capital A actors and that was their thing. And it was really inspiring to see. And even though all of these people mostly did theater, they all had TV and film agents. And I was encouraged by my mentor to consider that as a possibility. And um, yeah, so while I was doing a lot of theater and sort of finding my footing there, I was also learning how to audition on camera, and it has worked out, I guess, because <laughs> here we are. I don't know. <laughs> so the characters in the show have some really interesting jobs. You know, they're ice cream slingers, bounty hunters, students. It sounds like you've pretty much just been doing theater and preparing yourself for this life, but have you ever had any non-acting jobs? What were some of the ones that you've done, or, or is it just 
this is it. Oh, no, no, no. No, I um I have gotten very lucky the last couple of years that um I decided I was going to not have a day job, but for the first, I don't know, three or four years out of college, I definitely did. I was babysitting. I did a lot of pet sitting and house sitting, <laughs> but my main <laughs> my main gig was a juice bar barista, and that was definitely my thing. I worked at Arden's Garden. People might know that local company. Um, I worked for them for a long, long time. I also worked at Kale Me Crazy, their competitor, <laughs> for a little while, and that was a great job because you get all your fruits and veggies in, and it was very, you know, once you leave that job, you're not thinking about making smoothies at home, um, and that was I, I knew that I needed to make some money on the side for the times where I was not doing a theater production, but I wanted to make sure that I wasn't tied down to something nine to five or even a slightly less commitment than that because I wanted to be available in case a job did pop up. So so Teenage Bounty Hunters was like such a fun and original show and it has this big cliffhanger and then it got canceled and I was really bummed because it happened right as the show was like starting to find its fan base and it was important because the majority of the characters in the show were like these strong women leads and there was a variety of them you know like April's a strong woman lead she has some issues but she's she's coping and she's <laughs> making the world happen and we've got these girls who are in school but they're bounty hunters and so it was a real bummer when that happened I'm sure for you but definitely for the fan base as well do you know if there's anything in the works to do like comic books or like a novel spinoff and the reason that I ask is because that's something Stranger Things does a lot just to maybe give the fans some closure on such a good story yeah not that I know of there are lots of things that I am not privy to so who who knows but I it is not my understanding so I think I think our best bet is all the fan fiction that's out there I think that is I think that's the way for these characters to live on and and to get some of that closure even if it is um some raunchy closure <laughs> So that'll, that'll bring me to my next area. Uh, anyone who listens to the podcast knows that we like to do an area called fan questions. And we basically do this so that we can say their names and then they can ask you something directly and feel like, oh my gosh, I've connected with Devin. And we had a lot of questions for you. And so I picked some of the ones that I felt like made the most sense that I thought, you know, other fans would think were interesting. True Whitmore says, I loved April so much. She made me feel too many emotions. Cry emoji. The chemistry that she and Sterling have is so interesting to see. I'm just wondering how exactly she prepared to get into character. April Stevens made me feel a lot of emotions too. So you're not alone in that, <laughs> including the cry emoji. I, oh man, I am a bad acting student when it comes to all of this because I do not have a process. I am not method at all. The thing I do to prepare, which which I do think is important and I would recommend, is um, I know my lines backwards and forwards as well as I can possibly know them so that when I am on set and the cameras are rolling, I can just be in the moment and be really listening to my scene partner, whether that's Maddie or Charity and Eric giving me a hard time. Yeah, just being really present 
there. And then I am an actor who really likes working with directors and really likes being directed. And so I think that makes it both of your jobs much easier when they can throw something at you, you can throw something at them, and you're just able to play. And I think it makes everybody's job a lot, a lot more fun and a lot easier. So know your lines. That's my only process. <laughs> For anyone that's curious, what's the difference between, I mean, you and I know this, but what's the difference between theatrical acting and acting for television when you're preparing? That's interesting because when I, I think when I was coming out of theater school and thinking about getting an agent, the conversation around the differences was really kind of scary and really made theater students feel like your acting is going to be way too big. You have to fit in this little box and it's just totally different and, and it, and it doesn't really work. And you just, you can tell a theater actor on screen from a mile away. And while that might be true in some cases, I think when you're actually on set and, and you're just like delivering lines back and forth with your scene partner, I think it's my personal experience hasn't been that it's really not that different. I think the way you audition is very different, and I think the way you prepare, so to get back to your actual question, um, I think you just have to really know what's going on in and have a sense of the larger arc of the story because you do a lot of times shoot scenes out of order. And so as long as you know what's happened before, know what's happened after, and are, and are really grounded in what the moment and clear on what the moment is, I think that really helps. And I think, yeah, just being 110% committed to the story that you're telling, because sometimes the camera is obviously much tighter than an audience would be in theater, and so it is, it, it is able to catch those micro-expressions, and I think, yeah, it comes through in your eyes um, on camera when you really are aware of, like, <laughs> who you are and what's going on, so... Yeah. Starry Constellation Magazine says, We couldn't see clearly much of the details of April's room, but what were some of your favorite or most interesting items that couldn't fully be seen on screen? So we only, we were in there for a very short amount of time, so I... It was so gorgeous and so detailed. I was not shocked because everyone is very good at their job, but it was really amazing to be in that space. But, yeah, I'm not even sure that I caught everything. But the secret that I knew, which was fun, was um, the art department asked for uh, real-life photos of me and photos of me with my friends, photos of me as a child and as a preteen. So knowing that those were scattered around was very fun. In the hallway, for people who have watched the show, in that um, bedroom scene when I open the door and a character returns. I won't maybe spoil it if they haven't seen it, but in the hallway behind that person, I know that there were a lot of photos of me as a kid, and so I was interested to see if those were going to show up. And there were photos of me from middle school in my actual private school uniform, so I thought that tied in really nicely. <laughs> That'd be cool. I wonder if the school that you went to was like, hey, is that is that us? <laughs> yeah, I'm not not sure. I, I need to go back and look and see if any of those can be clearly seen. A. Alina says, was there anything from set that you took home as memorabilia? This is a huge question that we get all the time. People are like, what did you steal from set? It's like, well, you can't really steal from set. They need their, they need those props, but sometimes they, they give you something. Yeah, if they're very kind, they will let you keep something. But, um, yeah, so they need the stuff, and costumes does not play around. They know if you have taken something. Unfortunately, I did not 
keep anything or it, nothing accidentally ended up in my bag. Had I known... <laughs> Had I known that we would unfortunately not be returning, I probably would have been a little more bold. There are some things now I would obviously love to have, but yeah, I, we got some we got some cool uh, wrap gifts. So I do have stuff that has like the Willingham logo on it, or Angelica, who plays Blair, gave us a patch that says bloody untitled vigilante project because that's what our working title working secret title was was untitled vigilante project and yeah so that's really nice that's on a sweatshirt now but i didn't steal anything (laughs) i wish i had Uh, savannah beaver says how has the positive feedback of your portrayal of april impacted your life or someone else's We still, everybody obviously still gets messages on various social media about the show. I know Maddie and I especially still get messages about the way that Sterling and April's storyline resonated with them or has impacted their life. And that continues to be just like the greatest gift of of this show is hearing is hearing those real life stories. So and and I think it's obviously devastating that we were canceled and I think we're all still trying to make peace with that, but knowing that the show is actually surprisingly still on Netflix and people will continue to discover it hopefully for a long time and there are people out there who might really need this story and not just the Sterling and April storyline, but you know, there's, there's a lot, there are a lot of really good conversations to be had out of our show. So it hopefully will continue to impact lives in that way. And for me, I mean, it was just the greatest surprise working on, on the show and, and the reception that it's had. And yeah, I mean, and I know we joke, we, <laughs> we joke a lot about it, but our LGBTQ fans who are so dedicated to us and to Sterling in April, we know that they're going to be fans for life. And so I'm excited. I'm excited to have some people in my, in my court, uh, in my corner, um, as I as I move forward, so yeah, I think another cool thing about the show is just how many people that are like veterans of acting popped up in it that you were just like, oh wow, those are the parents. Oh wow, Kadeem, <laughs> like it was so neat. Oh my god, it, it is so so cool. And like Mackenzie Aston, who um, plays the dad, and Kadeem and Virginia, like all people who have especially Kadeem and Mac, who, you know, were child actors in Mac's case and a young teen in in Kadeem's case who have been around the block once or twice and could be so jaded by the negative sides of this industry and instead are actual angels on earth and just the nicest people and are so supportive and so aware of how support from people like them can impact young actors like us on set and afterwards and dealing with the cancellation. So just an absolute gift to have to have those folks around who are so seasoned and so generous with their time and love and support. So it was very, very cool. Sarah Wilson says acting is typically thought of as very glamorous. What are some aspects that are very unglamorous that people don't know about? Oh, man, so much is unglamorous about it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think the main thing is 
when you're in between jobs and you are just trying to keep it all together and play it cool while you are waiting for the next job and the next audition, just really not the next job, the next audition. You're like, just please, please let me get just one more audition. I promise I can do it. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think it's a weird balance to strike when, like I said earlier, you send in these auditions and you try to forget about them and play it cool and act like it's fine either way. But then you also know that the right audition could change your life. Um, and so... That anxiety is not glamorous at all. And I think also when you're in a honey wagon, which is one of the smaller trailers that's connected to the bathrooms, that's not, that's not glamorous. Not even a little bit. <laughs> yeah, having a job like this that lasted four months is the greatest gift that you can ask for. And four months does not really maybe sound like that long, but that's a long time when a lot of your other jobs might be a day or two. And yeah, you know, obviously we were super hopeful about this, but you know, like obviously we're very sad about the cancellation. Our fans are very sad, but it's, that's not, we're not an anomaly. It happens all the time, all the time. And so, yeah, you're constantly aware that even though this feels really good right now and it is really good. Yeah, this is not, this is not it. <laughs> and you don't want to burn any bridges because you're going to have to get back on the audition circuit pretty soon. Well, I think a nice way to think about it is that even though the show was canceled and we were all like, no, why Netflix? The show exists, you know? It's still, it's out there, and so we got to enjoy it. We'll get to re-enjoy it, and there will always be new fans that are coming to it. So I think that's, like, a positive aspect of the show. It's like, you made it, you loved it, and it's always going to be there for people to just, like, keep coming to the story. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. The fact that it exists at all feels like a miracle to all of us. We are so proud of the show that we made, so proud of the conversations that it hopefully started with families of all sorts or between friends. And yeah, we got to make the show that we wanted to make. And I am forever humbled and totally surprised that I got to be a part of it. And yeah, we're really happy that, that it exists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you and I were talking a little bit earlier about how there probably weren't going to be any, you know, sequels or, or ha closings for us, other than the fact that there is a huge fanfic base <laughs> for uh -huh. the show. So that leads me to the question by Nasty Eileen. She says, Ooh. what do you think about the fanfics about Sterling and April, and have you read any? I'm assuming you've glanced at them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. I, I have glanced. Yes, indeed. Yeah, very early on, Kathleen, our creator and showrunner, um, sent Maddie and I one to read, and that was really fun. Yeah, I think people are sometimes worried about how we feel about them or worried about, you know, because some of them can be sexual in nature. And I think sometimes people are a little worried about how we feel about that. But go, go, go for it. Go ahead. <laughs> like, we are thrilled and constantly tickled at the inventions in these fan fictions. And, you know, our show deals with a lot of those sexual themes. And so uh, we are definitely not a prudish bunch. 
it's really fun for us. And yeah, it there's definitely a whole community that is brought together by that. And, you know, once the show is out there, it becomes sort of the fans anyway. So especially now that there's not unfortunately a ton of closure, like run with it. Give give them give them a life after season one. It's it's exciting, yeah. <laughs> it's nice too because it means that your work had an impact on people. I mean, if someone watched your show and they were so inspired by the characters and by the performances that they were like, I need to know more. It's not being given to me. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it happen for other people. I mean, that's really cool. I think it's very very cool. And yeah, that anybody cares enough about uh, about these characters and about our work to spend their time doing that. It's pretty amazing and and feels like they have enough of an insight into these characters to then create a life beyond that um, makes us makes us feel good about the work we did yeah so totally so here's a question Cassie says what's your favorite horror movie oh I feel like it's kind of cliche now but I love get out obviously I am not I'm kind of a baby when it comes to horror and get out struck I mean apart from being an amazing film I think struck a really nice balance for me of being a little scary but (laughs) not too scary and I saw that in movie theaters RIP and so that was a really fun experience and then I I really like this B movie. I don't know, it might be a C or a D movie, but it's called Zombievers. <laughs> <laughs> and I would recommend that to anyone who wants to have a really good weird time. I think Zombievers is great. I have a t-shirt with Zombievers <laughs> on it. <laughs> that movie production company's been like, guys, there's been a, a spike in Zombievers purchases. <laughs> You're welcome, Zombievers. You're welcome. J.C. Wood says, and we talked about this a little bit, but maybe you can expand on it, but who did you make the closest relationships with throughout the filming of the show that you were not already friends with? And it's interesting because I assumed you were already friends with, you know, the Trinity. I thought you guys all knew each other because you're so close now, but was there anyone else? Yeah, Charity and I definitely talk on the phone multiple times a day, almost every day. So that is definitely the closest. Yeah, Maddie and I are super, super tight. And I am so grateful for all of her wisdom and experience coming into this project. And yeah, we were definitely sort of had a shared experience after the show came out. So that was really nice. And even people like, obviously, Angelica is more in the world than some of the adult characters, but she and I were not really ever on set together. Um, only a only the couple times that she was in some of the school scenes. So I've gotten to know her really, really well. And yeah, even folks like Mac and Kadeem, who I had no, almost no interaction with on set, we've become super close. And we all, there's like a billion group chats and all of that. Everybody really stays in touch. So that is definitely the biggest takeaway for all of us from the show is just these amazing relationships that we that we built so i think fans are going to be pretty excited to know that you talk to maddie every day (laughs) (laughs) esther says were any april scenes improvised no there was nothing that was fully improvised there are actors out there who are really good about doing something different every take and just running with it i am not that actor (laughs) i like to know exactly what i'm doing when i'm doing it just tell me where to stand and how to say it. Uh, I obviously come in with my own ideas, but I don't like to take a lot of liberties. It makes me anxious. But I know the an improvised, I think maybe my only improvised line was in the finale where Maddie is coming in to confront me at the lock-in. I say something to one of 
one of the background about Twister being the devil's doorway. Um, <laughs> so I had to uh, I had to make that up, but I feel like that's very much in the world. I can't take too much credit for that. Um, and yeah, I mean, there are definitely other things like that we came that I came in with really strong ideas about how I was going to do something. I definitely think I surprised them with in that scene with Luke, I think in episode 9 where I quote Star Wars and I used the voice from the Star Wars movie. I think people were surprised by that, which was fun. And then, you know, there are certain there are certain actors like I was sort of saying that do really really play and so when you work with them, you are you are just sort of like caught up in that and are forced to play with them as well. So that's always, that's always fun and exciting. But I think the one I can think of like that at the lock-in when Luke is feeding me the pizza, I had no idea that Spencer was going to do that. And so it was just fun to start a take and be like, oh, this is what we're doing now. Great. (laughs) Thank you. Angela Gabe says, what was something that you learned from Teenage Bounty Hunters that you will never forget? I've talked about this a little before, and it's sort of similar to what we were just talking about with the the relationships that were formed on this show. But, yeah, it's such a testament to the idea that really good people who are behind the scenes in various uh, departments and who are responsible for creating just a really positive, creative environment, I think that can't help but create a good product in the end. Like, I just think from from the downbeat, from the table read, we knew that this was a safe place to try things and be ourselves. And for people like me who came onto this job, I'd had a, a few TV jobs before this, but all smaller, some guest star, some co-star stuff. Like I'd never been on a set like this and playing a character of this size. And I was so nervous because I was like, I, I know how to stand and deliver a line for a day, but beyond that, like, building the arc of a character or having a monologue, like, what happens if I mess up and I forget a line? Like, what do I, what do I do? Do I go, do I start over? Like, simple stuff like that that, you know, we all talk about how crazy it is that you get thrown onto these sets and there's stuff you can learn how to audition, you can learn how to develop a character, but learning set etiquette and how to do your job on set, you can't learn until you're on set doing it on the day and it feels so scary, but I knew that this was a safe place for me to learn and to try and fail and try again. And so, yeah, it's just, I think was such a gift and is so important to have to have that kind of environment and those people who are working out of love and at the top of at the top of their craft so yeah totally Gilo Mamba says if you were back in high school what are the things you would want to do and not do (laughs) um I would not want to be a bounty hunter (laughs) I think that would have been too much for me in high school but I will take a page from these characters' books, and I could have been, I definitely could have been a little more fearless in high school. I was pretty shy. I had a a nice, small little group of friends. I was 
only doing theater, but I I think I was so nervous about what other people thought of me and how I was perceived. And I think doing theater back then, I was like, oh, I don't know if I should be doing this. I don't know if I'm any good or not. And I could have been a little more like April and been like, I don't care what you say. I know who I am. I know what I'm here to do. So you guys better move out of the way. <laughs> Just a little bit. Not, not all the way April, but a little bit. <laughs> Talia Drea says... And I'm sorry if I pronounced that name wrong. What is your favorite line said by April? She has so many. She has so many good quips. Ugh, so many zingers. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I think I have I have two. One is from the debate episode where April says to Sterling, if you have a shred of decency, you will something about bring up that boy's philandering mother in front of his friends and family. <laughs> I think that even though I probably misquoted. I really loved that when I initially knew the line and said it. And for sure in episode eight with the ski ball, when she says, and for the record, no, I do not believe that God is going to smite me for being a lesbian. He made me. And then she talks about the narwhals and the tiny blue poison frogs. So I feel like that's a pretty iconic line now. Tony Camarata says, since Marvel does a lot of filming in Georgia, have you ever auditioned for a role in the MCU? And if you have not, would you ever consider it? I have. What's funny about Marvel auditions is you never know what it is you're actually auditioning for because the title (laughs) is changed. You know that the script you're reading from is not the real script at all. It may be sort of loosely related, but yeah, it's so secretive. I have had a couple auditions and sometimes it's fun if you remember to try to like when then when something gets announced on Deadline or Hollywood Reporter, you're like, okay, can I figure out what my audition was? actually for so those obviously have not been successful attempts but that's okay I will continue to audition for whatever they send me yes (laughs) Leia Look says if the show went on for a few more seasons as it totally should have what would you have wanted for April I you know obviously I like to believe that Sterling and April were eventually end game I think they would have had a long period of will they, won't they. Sterling has uh, a few other more pressing issues to deal with. Um, So I think there would have been some time for them to take their own journeys, but I like to believe that they would have eventually ended up together. And my, my real dream for April was that eventually she would have ended up on the bounty hunting squad. We saw how proficient she is with details with her dossier making for the debate. I think she could have worked sort of behind the scenes. I think she would have excelled there getting all the dirt on some of these skips. And then, you know, I think the cherry on top would have, not that I've thought about this at all, clearly. I think the cherry on top would have been like, ooh, maybe one time she and Sterling are out on a date and all of a sudden they are, like, forced into action and Sterling sort of hemming and hawing and April, in her no-nonsense way, just, like, punches somebody in the face or, like, has to tackle somebody because Sterling was taking too long to do it. Yes, that's that's my dream. That's my dream is that she would have eventually been on the bounty hunting side. I like the idea of that, especially because it would lend to so many comical moments because you can see the two sisters just kind of like, they're always kind of fanatic. They're, they're going to do something, but they don't know what the plan is. And April just being like, no, this is unacceptable. <laughs> I got it. Shut up. I got it. And I know 
I know that Kadeem, Kadeem and I have talked a lot about how fun it would have been for Bowser and April to uh, have to work together or deal with each other. And um, I think they would have really gotten along. I think some of the things, some of the unhinged things about the twins that really annoy him, he would have he would have really appreciated April's uh, calm, collected uh, <laughs> demeanor. No nonsense. Uh-huh. Serenity says, who is your favorite character other than April? Um, <laughs> Ellen, and of course, I love Bowser. I love him so much. Ellen, God, Win Everett, just absolutely, an, I think, an Emmy-worthy performance as Ellen. I think she's so, so funny and is full of so much genuine love for these girls. I would have loved to see where, where Ellen's story took her. Robin Kinch says, how did you get involved in narrating audiobooks? Have you done any vocal training? So I guess for fans that didn't know, you narrate audiobooks. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, not not many recently. I have done a couple. I would not claim to be a proficient audiobook narrator, but it is something that I enjoy and is really, really fun. Um, sort of same thing that I was talking about earlier where I met all of these theater actors who also had TV and film agents. All of those same actors narrate audiobooks as well. It is a really great side hustle. It obviously lends itself to dramatic abilities so that's how I got involved there's a company in Atlanta called listen up audiobooks they're in East Atlanta village and so it's pretty convenient for us to um, hop on down there and I unfortunately have not had a lot of narrating training which I should definitely have but vocal training you know I did go to theater school and so we do uh, a lot of breath work I'm a I have a musical theater degree somehow. So I have some of that vocal training as well. And so I think it all it all helps. And now Alicia Weber asks what I think the most important question is. Um, <laughs> do you watch Stranger Things? Do you have a favorite character? And is there someone you'd like to play on the show? Bryce, can you say the name of the show again? What is this? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> what, what show am I on? Where are we? Yes, yes, I have watched Stranger Things. Of course, of course. I think it has, like, changed the game, obviously. That first season is just, like, nothing else. I have watched all of the seasons. And, again, like you were saying, really fun to see friends pop up on there. Really exciting. Huh. Character—is it the character I? I resonates with me. It's, a, it's your favorite character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And then, is there a character you would want to play? I feel like the answer is the same for both. Uh, Steve. <laughs> Obviously, I feel like he has so far has had a really, really great character arc. And now he's the cool guy, but also the nice guy. And the children genuinely love him and go to him. He's like Uncle Steve now. I, And he's still, you know, he's still got his little heartthrob thing going on. I think he's a really, really fun character. Mm-hmm. I always like to ask anyone that I'm talking to, what are you into right now for pop culture? I mean, we're all stuck in our houses. Is there any, you know, good books or movies or TV shows, anything you would recommend to help people make it through the day? Sure. That's the name of the game right now. Um, Let me think about things I have watched recently. Okay. I binged all four seasons of Search Party. Oh, my God. I'm doing it now. It's so good. But I'm only on season three. I just got to the three finale. Whoop. 
I am so I'm so excited for you. I know that's like old news to some people, but the fourth season just came out, so I think it's having a, a little renaissance right now. Um, it's so so good. It's so good, and it does so many different things flawlessly. Yeah, so I just watched all of that. Would recommend that. Fans know that I also like true crime things. We just watched. Murder on Middle Beach. Same. Excellent. I was kind of bummed there was only four episodes. I know, but you know that there's going to be a second season. Yeah, there has to be. I kept checking back. I kept refreshing. I was like, when are these new episodes coming? (laughs) I don't understand. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's on HBO Max 2. Oh, we did watch, oh, the Nexium Cult one. Oh, The Vow. The Vow, yes, yes. Oh, God, so upsetting. So interesting. Have, yeah. you, have you watched it, Sister Show on Stars? No, but I really want to. And I'm glad that we did it in the order that we did it because the vow really gave you all of the background information. And now this is sort of a more focused story. So I'm going to. Maybe the only other thing I'm committed to at the moment is RuPaul's Drag Race. Everybody knows I'm having a I'm having a lovely time watching this season. So, <laughs> what's the best compliment that you've received on being in the show? I mean, anytime a fan, like I was sort of talking about before, is really honest about their own journey or their own struggles and says that they saw themselves in April's story, that means the world. And on a less sentimental level, I think the times that I have been, the few times I have been out in the world or the one time that I have been on set since we wrapped, I think anytime another actor compliments the show, that means a lot because, you know, sometimes that can be hard to do actor to actor. Um, but yeah, when I was uh, when I was on set and completely without, you know, prompting, you weren't, it's not like you were, it's not like I'm bringing up the show being like, hey, maybe you recognize me. <laughs> um, when another actor compliments um, the show or, you know, actually more, maybe more special than that is crew because they're, because um, obviously Teenage Bounty Hunters was a mostly Atlanta crew and the other job that I have had was in Atlanta as well. I think anytime a crew member compliments the show because they have really difficult jobs and they put up with a lot, and so the fact that they, I don't know, are able to still enjoy the product that we made <laughs> means means a lot, yeah. Do you have any upcoming projects that you're allowed to talk about that you want to tell people about? No, I am deeply unemployed. <laughs> um, deeply, deeply Deeply unemployed. I I shot a tiny little episode of something that is not super secret, but I don't know that I should say anything about it at this point. It won't be out for a long, long time. But yeah, I'm just I'm just hanging out trying to get some auditions. So <laughs> I have nothing to brag about. People that love you probably already know this, but to our Stranger Things listeners who may or may not be aware of you yet. If someone wants to follow you on social media, how can they do that? Sure. You can find me on Instagram at devinhales.jpg.jpg. Mm-hmm. That's me. And then on Twitter, oh, God, I think I'm Hales underscore Devin. <laughs> I think that's it. You can see I'm really on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, that's it. We did it. 
Huzzah! Thank you so much for being on the show. I love that you say huzzah. <laughs> we'll do a little theater things. Um, it was rad talking to you. I think that fans of our podcast who love Stranger Things always like to hear kind of, you know, shaking it up. We interviewed Jacob from Cobra Kai who plays Hawk. And people were like, I didn't think I'd want to listen to that episode because I don't watch that show. But it was so cool, like, just hearing about the person and now they want to go watch that show. So I'm so glad you were here and I hope it brings more people to Teenage Bounty Hunters because that show is so fun. I really just really liked it and once I watched the first episode I was just like binging them and then I was like ready for the next one and then it was like canceled and I was like tears surprise tears Mm -hmm. so many tears (laughs) well thank you so much for having me this was delightful and yes for those of you who have not watched come on over come join the Teenage Bounty Hunters family we would love to have you well Devin thank you so much for being on the show I hope when COVID is over that you know me and you and the girl gang can get together we can eat or do something fun. But really, it was awesome talking to you, and I'm, I'm really proud and thankful that you took the time to be on the show. I loved April. I loved that show, and thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. Stay strange. And as the old saying goes, bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Upside Down Podcast hosted by Sisters Ash and Tori. For more information, visit our website at theupsidedownpod.com. You can also contact us at theupsidedownpod at gmail.com as well as follow us on our Facebook and Instagram under the Upside Down Podcast. Episodes are released every other Monday, so be sure to subscribe. If you love the podcast, be sure to review us on whatever you listen to us on. Thanks again. Stay strange.